Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 47 of Prog Notes. My name is Destin. And I'm Drew. And today we are listening to Blumbiot by Safari. If this is your first time listening to our show, welcome. Uh, we'd like to talk about progressive rock music, a fun, exciting, unique subgenre of rock music. In each episode, we dedicate our time to break down and talk about prog rock albums from all over the world. So if you haven't already, please tap that subscribe button so you won't miss any of our future episodes. And you can also follow us online everywhere with the link in the description. And lastly, we always want to say thank you to all of our patrons for helping us keep prog rock alive and sharing these albums that we all love and enjoy. You can become a special Prog Notes patron by also visiting the link in the description, or you can just go directly to patreon.com slash prognotes. Moon Safari is a Swedish prog rock quintet formed in 2003. They have only four albums along with an EP, and Blumyud is their second album released in 2008, which also happens to be a double album coming in around 104 minutes of music. Uh, for a second album, I think this is a pretty ambitious feat, in my opinion. Uh, yeah. there's, the record was self-produced by the band and released on the independent label, Blumyud Records. So uh, I'm ho- hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly, Blumyud. Mm-hmm. Am I right, Drew? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not on, Swedish. I'm not but Swedish, yes, but I, I as far I'm, as I okay. know, yeah. So, Blumyud. Blumyud is Swedish for flower sound. Uh, although the lyrics are all in English, flowers are sort of the recurring theme to this album. Uh, in fact, most of Moon Safari's music is fairly celebratory, and uh, the the word that I used to describe it, Drew, was was luminous. Like okay, very, very yeah. luminous album. Yeah, uh, it's something bright. it is very bright, very bright. Something quite different when it comes to the prog rock scene, which n- tends to be more minor, more dark. And uh, so this is kind of a, a different vibe, really. Um, their Bandcamp page states that the band focuses on vocal arrangements in the style of Gene Peerling, and they willingly surrender to the spirit of 60s rock, pop, and progressive rock music previously invoked by the Beatles, the Beach Boys, and Yes. So this, uh, I know Moon Safari is not a, a, a well-known band, and so uh, I, I love those three groups clumped together to describe sort of the Moon Safari sound. The Beatles, the Beach Boys, and Yes. Kind of that optimism of the Beach Boys with the yeah. harmonic qualities of the of the Beatles with the instrumentation of Yes. Yeah. I feel like that fits pretty well. Absolutely. Um, before we get into uh, what you and I think about it, Drew, uh, would you mind just telling everybody some uh, some reviews, what, what the uh, public thought of this record? Yeah, there, and the, this is not um, one of the, the prog giants that we've covered on the, the show before, right? They're more yeah. modern, they're newer, and even at that, they're not crazy well-known. Um, and, you know, we, we kind of jump around. We've done some lesser-known groups like Mulets in the past, and, and then we've done, you know, the, the really iconic pioneers, right? So they're, they're more modern. Um, but having said that, uh, most people, I think, really like this record. Uh, I know I do. Um, we'll get more into that later, but, um, on, on metal reviews, Marty gave it a 92 out of a hundred. He said, Moon Safari's music is a breath of fresh air on a warm, sunny day. With this two disc set, the listener is taken away on an almost two hour journey to a time when music used to be positive and uplifting. (laughs) Their music encompasses everything that was once great in the progressive rock genre with not a single note resembling anything newer than the late 1970s in sound. No modern influences here. 
Moon Safari is helping to resurrect an almost dead and forgotten genre of progressive rock. Hey, that's what we're trying to do with our podcast. It's exactly right. Thanks, Marty, for supporting the vision. <laughs> Thanks, Marty. Uh, please check out Prognos. Um, <laughs> Who knows? Maybe Marty's listening to this right now. He, you know what? He very well could be. I hope you are, Marty. Hello there. Prog Archives gave it an aggregate score of 4.13 stars out of 5. That's from a little over 500 ratings. 48% gave it a perfect score of 5 out of 5. And 27% gave it a 4 out of 5. So 75% of people think it's pretty good. Definitely worth a listen. Um, there was a viewer named Nitro on Prog Archives that gave it a 4 out of 5 and had this to say. This album from Moon, Moon Safari carries the following elements. Its main emphasis are vocal harmonies, and luckily all members of the band have a very pleasant voice. The vocal harmonies are not only very well done, but rival the vocal work of the best progressive rock bands. They resemble Yes and the Flower Kings. The instrumentation is for the most part very pleasant and melodic. There are lots of mellotrons, 12-string guitars, pretty electric guitars, pretty synthesizer tones, gentle drumming. I mean, you see what I'm getting at. The music can be described as pretty, peaceful, innocent, sunny. This is an important element in terms of whether you like the album or not. If you don't like it when the Flower Kings or Yes gets too peaceful and pretty, multiply that tenfold and you'll find this album too sugary and irritating. For example, the opening acapella song Constant Bloom, which I love, is accompanied by bird noises and such. Not to say that it's always that. There are moments where the drums pick up, the guitar gets distorted, and they start rocking out for a bit. It's just that there's not much of it throughout the long duration of the disc. For example... In their first epic, Methuselah's Children, the heaviest part is around minute 12, which is brief, and despite it being louder, it's still a very uplifting sound. When you hear this epic, you'll notice how easily parts fit together. The album is very coherent, though you might say it sacrifices some dynamics. So that was what hmm. he had said. Um, and I have to agree with that. Um, so, so that's the... I, most people really enjoy it because it is positive. Um, it's very sunny and bright, and we'll get more into that later. Some people didn't like this. Um, just echoing what that guy had said, if you don't really care for that, it's not your thing. I saw some people on Reddit um, complain that this there was no edge to this music. Um, again, the guy said it sacrificed dynamics, and that's what someone else had said. Um, someone said it was too saccharine, overly happy sounding, very too sweet, too sugary. Mm. They needed some edge to it. They needed some, some darkness to kind of balance it out. Um, rate your music had it at an aggregate score of 3.65 out of 5 stars from a little over 400 ratings. <laughs> wow. There was a comment on here that made me laugh really hard. Gave it a 2 out of 5. Oh, didn't, okay. Didn't really care for it very much. And the only comment was just Disney Prague. And I Holy lost Holy crap. It. I just made me laugh really hard <laughs> just hearing that. That's this great. Is Disney Prague. I love um, that. But you know, that's kind of genius. Even if that's an app description i'm like okay that's kind of an interesting combination there something you don't always it's get like you it's saying. unique to it's say unique. the least um someone else on rate your music gave it a 3.5 out of 5 and said very succinctly said too happy to hate too long and emotionally shallow to love so pretty Ooh. interesting um, wow Okay. Someone else gave it a, a, a yet another negative review of two out of five stars and said, 
Beach Boys have picked up Moog synthesizers and guitars and are emulating 70s synth prog in the sappiest, most insipid manner I've heard in a long time. (laughs) There's hardly anything here besides bland, modern wankery spiced with terrible, smiley-faced vocal arrangements, background music for fundamentalist churches and nursing homes. Cringeworthy. Nursing homes? Holy Mm -hmm. cow. Yeah. Um... Still, uh, personally, I think fans of older Prague are sure to love this. Um, Robert Short on the Sea of Tranquility, which, by the way, Sea of Tranquility is apparently the web destination for progressive rock, progressive metal, and jazz fusion. In case you didn't know. All right. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for that. Sea of Tranquility. I didn't know this. Yeah, it's a plug. You haven't heard of Sea of Tranquility? Dude, you haven't heard of Sea of Tranquility? What are you you even What are you doing? Do you even Prague? Do you even even Prague, bro? (laughs) What are you doing? Bro, you even prog? Where are you at on Sea of Tranquility? You're not in the forum? digital space in the prog world, bro? You're not on that digi? <laughs> Holy crap. Anyway, Sea of Tranquility, what do they say? He, he sang it praises, Robert Short. Uh, he gave it a five out of five. Um, and this was written uh, shortly after it came out in 2008. To the more critical or cynical eye, it appears that the third wave of prog spearheaded by Inside Out Records, Spock's Beard, and the Flower Kings has slowly petered out. Inside Out America has folded into SBC Records, Neil Morse has abandoned secular music, and online file sharing is making the already slim profit margins of prog, uh, of prog labels even smaller. But while the chicken littles of progressive rock worry about the extinction of the genre, batches of new bands are springing up to replace those that have fallen by the wayside. Among mm. these are some groups like Moon Safari, Bright Eye Bryson, Magic Pie, and Brother Ape, who give a bright and fun spin to Scandinavian prog once known for the bleak gothic textures of bands like Anecdoten and Anglegard. Yes. No, that's, that's crown, a great point. Right? That's a great point. The crown jewel of this new generation thus far is Blumyud, the two-disc sophomore release by Sweden's Moon Safari. Released several months ago to critical, accla- uh, to critical accolades, the band's recent addition to the bill of the Rossfest, 2009, has reminded us at Sea of Tranquility... Sorry, that's the Rites of Springfest, by the way. Um, yes. 2009. Reminded us at Sea of Tranquility to correct this oversight. The young band has successfully combined the approaches of John Anderson, Roy Stolt, and Brian Wilson into a 100-minute love letter to rural Sweden that seems more like a vacation than an album. This is symphonic prog with a marked emphasis on melody, and it also happens to be Progressive Rock's best release of 2008 thus far. You know, I love that quote uh, that was in there about something that I haven't thought of until just this moment being the happy, optimistic tone that the mm-hmm. album carries. That is mm-hmm. literally the exact op. We talked about this in the Blackwater Park episode. Yes, we did. Where, yes, we, where did. we talked about kind of that Swedish black metal, the the, yes. the death metal scene that was coming out of, of that era uh, or coming out of that country. And I, I mean, when was that? I mean, it was, this is uh, early maybe in the early 2000s, right? Yeah. And I just love the, the complete 180 that yes. this album well, is. The other band that comes to mind for me that's Swedish that is very kind of happy sounding, kind of something that you do, you would probably play at some type of celebration uh-huh. is Dirty Loops. Oh, that's true. Now, now they're a Swedish group. They're, yeah. they're a trio with keys, drums, and bass. And they do all the virtuosity you could ever hope for if you're kind of a music nerd, right? These guys are, are absolute masters. Uh, on their respective instruments and they exhibit that in their music, but they are very much celebratory music. And I wouldn't say necessarily overly flowery like this record is, I wouldn't use that descriptor, 
uh, but they're dancey. And I think that's kind of their thing for Dirty Loops. They, oh, yeah. They, well, they it's pop. get up and dance. It's pop music. It's, it is pop. There's yeah. a lot of pop-laden stuff, but then they mix in these jazz influences to that pop. Yep. Um, and they, they, they mix in kind of soul and crowd on their newest stuff back on uh, a Phoenix EP that was released, I want to say 2019 or 2020, uh-huh. um, gospel music, 100% yep. gospel influence on a lot of those tracks. Anyways, don't want to divert too much to dirty loops, but just to reinforce that, that, you know, that point and that argument that a lot of, or, or, or you know, some of the Scandinavian groups, and the Swedish groups in particular are becoming brighter in their their, yeah. their music. So, so you seem to enjoy the uh, the happy Swedish people rather than the, oh, the, yeah, the, the death yeah the death you know, Swedish 100%. people. One hundred percent. I want to be with the happy people, bro. Be give with the, the happy. happy give me the happy Swedes. You're right. So, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, give me the sweets. I want. If you haven't candy. heard our episode on Blackwater Park, um, I want you're, the you're candy, in for you're in for a treat. Not the coffee, I guess. You know. Um, but we did go and we did listen to, to Blackwater Park by Opeth. Uh, highly recommend everybody listening to that. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, only only, be, only because, opinion. yeah, I might have some controversial opinion about that album. Uh, but uh, we did like some of it, you know, maybe just no, not, abso- not abso- all of it. No, 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 absolutely. There not were nuggets in here and there that, that I were, that were brilliant. I, that really tuned to yep you know, to the frequencies of my brain. Let's put it that way. That I was yeah. like, oh, I can really get into this. This but is great. A vast, overwhelming majority of it was just, just too much for me. And yeah. we mentioned several times on there, it's the vocals. I just can't. It's it's the yeah, growling. It's, it's I can't. not for you. It's not for you. It's not for me. It's yeah. not for me. Which it's is for fine. It's for a lot of it's people. It's fine. It's and so, uh, but coming, it does make sense though, uh, having having more <laughs> of a, uh, growing up with a uh, kind of a Beatles background in, in your childhood. Yeah. I feel like yeah, that, I, could, that could kind of it, pull on the nostalgia and this is yeah. This is where we'll segue into my thoughts on the record. We we have okay. not. Oh, dude, please. I, I mean, I was trying to set you up a little bit, but I, I'm I'm curious and interested because we have not discussed a single thing about what you and I have thought you of know, the record. It's funny because I've known about this record for years. Really? I, I, I mean, yeah. So this was introduced to me by thank you Discord, uh, one of one of our fans on Discord years ago. Um, I just want to say. 2019 yeah this is jordan yeah um yeah, yeah, yeah. and he, hey jordan he, if you're listening to this if you're listening to this hi thank you appreciate so much. you man you thanks the for the inspiration yeah. behind this episode Sorry, this episode comes like two years after you would introduce this to me right um maybe even three years he Goodness. played on one of our discord covers as well he did he played on it was a it was a drama with me by porky thank Pantry. you yeah i knew he it played was acoustic yeah, yeah 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 he did a great job anyways he did a fantastic job um but he introduced this to, to me um he said, check out Blumyud by Moon Safari. And it was one of those records that did not take multiple listens. And that's rare. Even some of my favorite records to this day. I've probably mentioned this on Selling of the Pound, where it took like the third go around before I was like, oh my gosh, how did I not realize it's infinite glory yeah. in the first two listens? So sometimes that's just how it is. Slow, slow it's burn. Absolutely. 100%. <laughs> slow burn albums. Absolutely. Moon Safari um, and, and Bloom You, this record, was just one of those that I heard. And I was like 17 minutes into the whole record. And I was like, oh, my word. This is everything I love about Prague right here. I am I am absolutely head over heels. Love this. Um, you know, I <laughs> I would say this is probably the happiest Prague record 
that we've done on the show, and it will probably remain the happiest. Yeah, part of the reason why I was excited to do it on the show because of that unique quality. We just haven't done something that is this celebratory and this, like I said, luminous, like this bright. 100%. Yeah. If I were to describe this album, or even the overall Moon Safari sound, I would say that they are like prog rock combined with a musical soundtrack. So this is me dipping into my background as as you were saying, Beatles, but also when I was growing up, probably doesn't shock anyone listening to this. I was very much a theater geek. I was very much into the the world of of chorus and ensemble and, you know. And the acting world that comes along with that. And the acting world and all of that. Uh, And I was very much a showboat. And uh, anyway, so that like dips back into that because it combines – this, the, the elements of progressive rock that I love, the virtuosity is there. These really cool technical feats are there. I mean, it's not the craziest thing you're going to hear, but there's some really interesting time signatures there. There are really, you know, fairly intricate riffs there from the the guitar to the keyboards and all of that stuff. A lot of really awesome, clearly progressive rock elements Yeah, combined with like, like you're listening to the, the soundtrack of a musical, which is super sing-songy, right? It's yeah. you know, it's, it gives this bright sing-songy mood that you will, you know, you want to join in with if you can hit those notes. Right. Um there are some notes on here I'm like, whew. Yeah, that's yeah. Whew. Talk about flipping to falsetto and then jumping up about like three more Yeah, three more octaves like, in the Lord. falsetto. Yeah. Yeah, no. Uh, absolutely. Um it, it, uh, part of the musical soundtrack stems from the fact that they have so many harmonies that they incorporate and it's a pretty wide vocal range amongst all of the band members. Um, it's like acapella. And in fact, the opening track, Constant Bloom, is acapella. And there's a moment in Bluebells where it is just complete acapella. There's nothing but voices. Yep. You hear the really high falsetto voice above everything. But then you get this sweet blend of the lower end. They have kind of the lower stuff. So it's like a boys choir kind yep. of. Yep. Um, to fill out the bottom end. And it really gives it this full and, and big presence, right? Mm. Um, it's it it full runs the full gamut, right? Of, yeah, of, yeah, what, yeah. Uh, of, of male vocal range, you you do kind of have the lower end in there too. Um, anyways, you get the excellent mid tones in between as well, so it's phenomenal. Um, but like I said, you've got those progressive rock elements, and I'm I'm thinking specifically of just these weird time signatures when you're counting along with it. That's really fun to count along with. With something like in you know Methuselah's Children, there's a part that's in eleven eight. And then there's a part yep. in the other half of the sky where it's like in 15-8. Yep. And then there's a section that's in 11-16, right? And the other half of the sky, which is their big epic on this record. But um, they also have the stuff mini that, that they overlaps. Have. They, they, have, they have some overlapping yes. kind of like polyrhythmic yes. stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Like that section in the Methuselah's Children. Dun, 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 oh dun, my dun, gosh, dun, that part dun, dun, sends dun, chills dun, dun, every dun, dun, time dun, I hear it. The drums coming in. Yeah. Yeah, that but, is brilliant. But so that's I, a that's I, a polyrhythmic kind of bar line as yes, it's stepping absolutely. over there, and and so there's there's some of that element which is which is a very modern prog thing to do. They didn't do a okay, whole lot yeah. of that. They didn't do a whole lot of that kind of kind of over the bar line with different yes. accent stuff. That wasn't a very popular thing until uh, well, it was with King Crimson, but like for the the vast majority didn't do stuff like that which is sure like people like Jacob Collier now they do that Porcupine Dree did a lot of that right. stuff um right. which is more yeah, of a modern thing of, 
it's really cool. Yeah, though. You're kind of dipping into math rock at that point. You're yeah, trying to push yeah. the envelope of like, Oh, could this eventually line up? Oh, it could. And you know yep. what? Let's, let's show what happens in between before you get to that. Which, you know, I love that kind of stuff because yeah, it, it's, it's one of those head turner grab a, grab your attention moments. Yeah. Kind of thing, which this, I love if, throughout if music. People who love about the, 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 just have a very analytical tendency, mm-hmm. right? They have people appreciate that yeah 100 but i also just the the expectation right you have an expectation and it yes. doesn't meet the expectation yes and that's when people go wait what and i love that because exactly. it's it's this kind of like what was the, it's there's a curiosity now that that was just that was created yes. based off but of what i just it's heard it's not just noise right there is a structure and it's not there. a gimmick it's that was not, like it's musical <laughs> like it wasn't a right. gimmick in bits right, it makes right. sense exactly um, but you know, they, they've got, they've got the, like elements like that where they're, they're doing kind of this interesting time signature stuff and, and, and rhythms, polyrhythms and all that stuff. But they've also got the lengthy instrumental sections and in songs, right? Yes. I'm talking about like moonwalk, yeah. which is like completely lyricless, yep. right? Unless you count the little sound bites of people, people speaking, but that's not really a lyric. Um, and you know, they're using stuff like that, like the, the sound effects and voice clips and all that kind of stuff. Right. Again, in moonwalk and even stuff with like other half of the sky, but I, I I heard a while ago, and this is nodding back to the Beatles because there you know there are some parallels there, um, especially with the amazing the, the gorgeous vocal arrangements. The Beatles had gorgeous vocal arrangements too. Oh, I mean, certainly, absolutely beautiful voices. Um, so a while ago, I heard a music historian describe the song "Penny Lane" by the Beatles as you put it on and sunshine comes out of your speakers. And honestly, that's the exact phrase I would attribute to this album. Mm. The voices are sublime, and the overall compositions are married with are nothing short of magical, in, in my mind. Also, side note, I think this album is better with headphones. I think it hits a whole lot harder. Really? It's good. It's okay. good on its own. It's good in general. But if you're listening to this... I don't. There were moments where I was working throughout the week, and I was listening to the record, you know, trying to let uh-huh. it seep in in headphones. Even though I've already heard it eight hundred times, um, speakers. But well, I would have headphones in. Okay, right. As right. I'm working, and there were moments where I had to stop my work, and then there were moments where I would listen <laughs> to this, and that was like the same moment or a different moment or whatever with the speakers, and it was good, and I would get really into it. But man, once it's directly into your ear canal, <laughs> I mean, it's really, it's, it's. It's direct sunshine. More focus. You just can't help but just kind of drum along with it or like try to sing with it and harmonize with it or whatever. It's it's great. They they really remind me a band that I don't think they've been compared to just yet is Genesis, the Steve Hackett era. Mm. So the soaring guitar solos are are very luscious, they're full, and they add a lot of tapestry to the tracks, very similar to Steve Hackett's. Guitar yeah, playing. I would agree with that. Also, the the keyboard sounds that and the using keys as I was well. About to get to that, even the playing, the playing mm-hmm. too, very reminiscent mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Not only the playing and the the compositions, but the the tones they use, right? The actual keyboard sounds they employ, yeah, very similar to Tony Banks. Um, so, anyways, and I know we've mentioned the Beatles, but the the song that comes to mind is "Here Comes the Sun" for me. Yeah, I just I think of that when I listen to this record too. Pretty harmonies, warm spring day, sense of rejuvenation, all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, to me, they're like a mixture of of Genesis and your favorite musical soundtrack. You know, I just realized that we're going to be releasing way. this album or releasing this episode in the summer. So how about that? Yeah. 
Yeah. It's perfect. I, it's the best time to listen to this is either spring or summer. Yep. So that's great. Um, and you know, I don't know why go, going back to the criticisms people had, I think they're completely legitimate. I think they're completely legitimate. If, if you're not really into that, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't say completely legitimate because a lot, <laughs> I think they, <laughs> they have merit. They do have bits of merit. However, those that say it doesn't have dynamics, I don't completely agree with that because when you hear that stuff, they, they still know how to build something. I guess maybe they're saying dynamics as far as mood is concerned. And I, I, yeah, I was about to I, say I dynamic mood wise could be different than dynamics yeah. in terms yeah. of like and legitimate overall, dynamics. Yes. Loudness. Uh, overall, yes, but stuff like Moon Safari to me doesn't seem overly flat. Sorry, Moon Safari, Moonwalk. Sorry, the, the track Moonwalk right. doesn't seem overly flowery to me. Yeah. Um, a lot of the a lot of the album does. So I get that a lot of the album does. Yeah. Um, but it does have moments where it does add a different element to it. Um, is it as dark as you know Blackwater Park? Um, no, absolutely. Something yeah. aggressive sometimes, like Porcupine Trees, dark stuff. No, this is not Creator with a master tape. Right. Um, right. The creator had a master tape, but um, but it is it is kind of to the extreme in terms of. Like, how bright can you get? Correct. You know, Correct. like, if, we, if we're going to use, like, an opaque, luminous, or opaque, translucent, and transparent. And transparent, sort of, Like, yeah. this is transparent. Yeah, Very, absolutely. it's it's more so on the extreme side of. Yes. Because there's also is a lot of, a lot of music in that, right. that uh, style, in that mood, so. Yeah. I, can, I can understand where that might jar some people. The extremism like, okay, of that could be yeah, too much. It's just a lot, and there's a lot of it, right? Yep. It's very bright, and there's a lot of it, right? And sometimes people want a little bit other type of color in there, you know, the darker tones, right, to contrast that. So I get that. I don't know why it doesn't bother me. Because, and I'll say I don't know why, because I do like twisted stuff. I do like the darker stuff, you know? I really enjoy the barbaric vocals of Peter Gabriel on Back in New York City, and The Wall by Pink Floyd, right? Right, yeah. And Indiscipline by King Crimson, right? This kind of weird, bizarre, you know, twisted, warped, you know, stuff that kind of plays on the edge of insanity. And it's really dark and grim. Like, I like that stuff, too. I really do. The bizarre has a lot of character, and I'm drawn to that. But there's there's, there's something so pure about Blumyud, and I can't bring myself personally to criticize it. Yeah, I guess it, I, I, I guess for you, you would just have a wider spectrum of moods that you would can enjoy. Yeah, a tolerance or something that you can enjoy <laughs> a little bit more now because there is there is a level too that of darkness that I know that is not your cup of tea. It's just it's kind of too much. Like that for me, know. that for me is 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 a lot of tools material. That just goes it goes too I feel like, dark and some. I feel like I can swing to the other side of the pendulum even farther than you can. Further Pro- than you can. On the because, on which side? Like, which side of the pendulum? The like happiness the or the darkness? The darkness. Oh, that's true. I think yeah, there's some no, stuff that I really like that you're kind of. Mm, yeah, I don't that's know. That's a little, a little much. too much. Yeah, and I get it. <laughs> I get it because the stuff that I like, I'm like sometimes I'm embarrassed to say I like it because it's like really twisted stuff. There's some <laughs> nine inch nail stuff that I actually enjoy. Yeah, which I'm sure yeah. anyone listening who knows my taste would be like, really? Yeah, that's a little. That's a little. Yeah, that, like that's that's nine inch nails would be a good good uh, example, but something like Tool would be a, <laughs> an example for me to be yeah, like, exactly. I mean, exactly. I don't, I don't know. Like, I can enjoy. Honest, I can, I will be completely honest. Ever since we did the episode on Ladder Alice, in uh, what was it, episode eleven, something like that? Yes. We did when yeah. we did Ladder Alice by Tool. 
Um, I have not listened to that album since. We did that episode. You know, I haven't listened to it often, it's... but I'll be honest. Every now and then, I'll put on the title track because that's just so fun. Oh, it's Black, so thin, fun. Wide art, all I see in my infancy. There's, that's and there's some so good stuff. Cool. There's some good stuff on there. Uh, kind of like with like with Blackwater Park, like Harvest on Blackwater Park. That's a little bit more my speed. Yeah, love that song. Absolutely. Patters in the Ivy. Love that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I definitely tend to fall uh, not as dark. But yeah, it, yeah. It, there's there's just okay. a tolerance level that every single person listening to this album will be able to realize very quickly to know is am is my taste this extreme on the transparent side of my you musical know what? taste. That's that you're totally right. I would be interested to see yeah. how many people like this, how many don't. I just want to see the statistics. How many people are happy and how many people would rather wallow in misery? Holy crap. <laughs> it's a direct translation to absolutely <laughs> to your this happiness is, as a yeah. human being. This is absolutely it is. Oh, that's you're very funny. upset. You're a depressing person if you don't like this record. Yep. Holy crap. You have to like this record. That's funny. No, that would be interesting, though, because you're right. This is extreme. I think that's a fair description to put on this. This is extreme happiness. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that is not (laughs) me. So that's why I'm kind of like, it's weird that I don't criticize this more. Yeah. Because I am not the super overly always joy. I'm very emphatic, but I'm not overly joyful all the time. Yeah. I'm more the optimist. um, You are. I think you're more (laughs) the optimist than I am. Yeah, it's probably you are. probably true. We balance each other out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> um, well, okay. I I have I have hogged a lot of my experience with this, but this this is something I had listened to for a while. Yeah, and I know I had kind of peppered in a reference to this. Oh, turn up, turn up, turn up. That's brilliant. The groove on that too. I know the groove is so palpable. And the fill, too. Very simple oh, ghost those notes. Vocals. Yeah, that's so good. Anyway. Um, See, now that's where the word to me that comes to mind is dynamics. They're building stuff there. It starts with the keys, then they add the drums, then they add the vocals, and then they'll have keys come in. It just it builds so well. Yeah. No, they did. They and certainly then you've got do have that. Guitar here. Oh my god! Like they, and that's another thing, another prog element that I didn't really allude to earlier um, that I, I neglected was the fact that they have a bunch of different instruments in here too. Oh, that's true. Right? A lot of different you know, keyboard sounds. They got grand pianos with a lot of like yes. the mellotrons, but they also have some more. Uh, They've got the more old old time synths stuff like that, yeah. and the twelve string They've guitars, the, the mandolin, mandolins, yeah, absolutely. electric guitars. I mean, it's a quintet. I mean, they have a lot of variety yeah. that they can play with. Um, which is, I think what makes the album, uh, very nuanced and in many different ways because of the amount of members. Uh, I think honestly that kind of adds a little bit more to the, the overall enjoyment is the amount Mm -hmm. of different textural quality that's going on. Because if this was a three piece band, I don't know Mm -hmm. if that would be successful. Totally. I no, don't think I it would be. Agree. I think that would be a little bit too bland. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. First, I don't know. I haven't put any any extra thought to that other than just this moment. But that's what my initial reaction would would be. So it's pretty well, cool. Well, you could do it. You could have all this stuff, but like 
there, there is a lot going on with this, and that's what I like. There are so many interesting elements throughout even just, you know, six bars. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There's, there's a lot of really cool stuff going on. Um, anyways, sorry. Got super sidetracked there because that no. part is epic. Oh, it's it's um, great. One of my favorite one of my favorite sections on the album, yeah. for sure. Um, but but I was saying, I, I I had peppered in conversations here and there about Moon Safari, and you were just kind of like, oh, yeah, kind of. And I think you have maybe heard it maybe once before. Yes. But I don't think you would really attentively or very actively listen to it. I don't know. So, uh, having said that, I've hogged a lot of the conversation, and, and you have your kind of yes. journal entry. Yes. Just like I had one for Blackwater Park. That's exactly right. Um, <laughs> it's, funny, it's funny that we've had, had that episode be mentioned in a different... <laughs> different context because yes uh, as i was as i was going through this so of course you, you you've already mentioned that the way that you listen to this album uh, or you've listened you've listened to this album longer than i have more, yeah more frequently let's more let's frequently, say that absolutely. or have had yeah. more time to sit with it yes um i when drew mentioned that we were gonna or wanted to do this for the uh for the next episode that was the first time probably the next day was the very first time that i listened to it from from beginning to end Mm. And so, uh, and I've listened to it probably ten times since then, nice. as well, yeah. because I was really trying to grasp my thoughts and what I was drawn to, what I wasn't drawn to, what really all of it. And so, so I, I had, I, I wrote down, and this is just the way that I was kind of processing. Essentially, I, I, there were so many different thoughts that I was having because there's so much different music and it's so extreme, as we've already mentioned as well, that I was like, this is new, very new for me in terms of musical experience and, and listening. So the only way that I could come up with or the only, I guess you could say, uh, medium that I could have expressed this through was by if I just wrote it down. So I wrote down kind of all my thoughts and then I put together like a journal entry so I, I wrote down I Destin's it. Safari through Moon Safari. That's that's kind of what I titled this. My Safari through Moon Safari. Um, so this this is kind of me writing it in the form of a of a journal entry. Now, uh, this is prior to any of the conversation that we had right now in the, in the last thirty five minutes that we've been on the podcast. Right. So I feel my thoughts now are a little bit more nuanced based upon the, what we've discussed already. Sure. But. Um, this is kind of what I wrote down and, and I please kind of, I guess you could say, uh, add your thoughts and, and opinions kind of as I'm, as I'm talking. Oh, well, talking I'll interject. This. Yeah. Inter- interject. Thank you. That was the word I was looking for. So, um, <laughs> so here's, here's the, here's, <laughs> here's my, here's my Safari through Moon Safari journal entry that I have here. So because of my host and friend Drew, I was encouraged to listen to this full album top to bottom. Now, he never really recommends anything to me that I don't enjoy, so there's always high expectations for when he sends me music. So I was excited to throw this record on play. Now, my first first listen, nothing really grabbed me, not as much as he said that grabbed him in the the first listen. The first thing to note in my mind is that the aggressive, thick, five-part wide-mixed harmonies are not necessarily my favorite. Just a personal opinion. I've never been fan... I've never been a fan of bands like Boston or Queen, for example. So that kind of uh, very strong choral five-part harmony kind of thing is not necessarily my cup of tea. This whole album isn't that. There's a lot of it, though. The music was quite exciting in certain areas. Some catchy riffs, like the beginning of Yasker's Farm, uh, moments of Methuselah's Children, and Other Half of the Sky. But overall, 
I felt quite underwhelmed by it. Okay. So one reason that I believe this is the case, at least for me, was a lack of variety musically for me. Okay. And I'll explain deeper what this means. So without it's without a doubt progressive rock by nature, long passages, like as as the things we've already previously discussed, right? There's a heavy use of rhythmic modulations. They have solos, the catchy riffs and stuff like that. But something I felt during my time with this album was a was a sense of strong familiarity within the album's playthrough. In further research, I discovered that six of the 11 songs on this record are in two keys, A major and D major. To put it this way, 67 of the 104 minutes, or 64% of this entire record, are in A or D major. With an already long runtime, this felt just a bit too much for me. It felt very familiar as I was listening throughout the, the record. So my second reason for my slight distaste of Blumyud were the vocal hooks. The arrangement of most of this music goes beyond your typical verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, chorus format which most of progressive rock already does to begin with. There are more so different sections. Some sections have vocals, some do not. And there are not many recurring vocal melodies throughout one track of the album. Not to say that the vocals aren't melodic. This is an elephant talk by King Crimson, but I just had a hard time grasping many vocal hooks. They just didn't grab me. The vocal hooks just didn't grab me for some reason. But the ones that I do hear that I heard consistently, some of the vocal hooks, I just didn't enjoy them. To be honest, the, the, I, I couldn't get my, I don't know, they just weren't speaking to me. The, the vocal hooks weren't speaking to me. And so, and this is funny that you mentioned this. You mentioned something about, I'm, I'm coming out of my, out of my uh, safari here, but you mentioned the, the musical theater kind of element into it. Mm-hmm. This is what I wrote. And this is what I wrote in this. This just happenstance. This reminds me of moments within a musical. A musical has a forward-moving plot, and the actors and actresses exchange dialogue in a manner of singing. The focus sometimes is advancing the plot through song, and sometimes hooks and overall catchiness take a back seat. Repetition legitimizes, and this isn't the first band that I've really had this complaint with. Bands like sometimes Wobbler, as well as a band like Evership, which we've played a show with them before, sometimes lose me with their vocal hooks, or lack thereof. Now, why am I talking about this so much? This is prog rock. Vocals take a backseat to the music all the time, right? And I would say, yes, they do. But the vocals on this album are very intentionally trying to be the forefront during the times they are present. They're very mixed up front, but the music surrounding the vocals seem to me like they are a support to the vocal line. So while the vocals were singing and while the vocals were up front in the music, a lot of the time I, I wasn't being caught by the the melody. So the so the two issues that I really had with it that weren't grabbing me as much were the the thick use of the harmony and I wasn't just some of the vocal the vocal hooks that weren't grabbing me. Now I will say my absolute favorite sec- vocal section on this entire album is the first 5 minutes of other half of the sky absolutely okay. love that so so they have that clear there's a very very clear verse and chorus melody and i just i absolutely love that uh that interlude where uh oh gosh time will tell if i'm the fool yeah right time yeah, yeah, will yeah. tell if i'm the fool right yeah um i absolutely i love that like uh it says the the people maybe climb and left the pool people can barely stay afloat they're gonna need a, a bigger boat I, yes. That is so good. 
That is amazing. But it has this very clear structure to it. It's a, it, it goes, it starts in that verse. Then it goes to that interlude where the, oh gosh, where that, the, the guitar goes to those chords and it's time, what's that? And it just goes to this beautiful section. And that is, to be completely honest, the only vocal hook that after listening to this so many times that I still remember, honestly. Wow. Um, there's actually one maybe other point in, in the countryside. Um, that part, yeah. um, which is like, I think the post-chorus. Price is high, but it's worth the cost. Yes, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. And of course, the the main hook of the, in the countryside, that, that right. whole section. I think those are probably the only two. And I've listened to this album, like I said, 10 times. And I don't, I cannot recall many of the vocals, like the, the vocal hooks on the album. Um, I don't know if it's because there's a ton of music and my attention span is that bad or if they just didn't grab me, but they didn't. Um, and so uh, in the end, personally, for me, and this is going to be a little extreme, which is why I love this because you really, really enjoy this. And I'm right. kind of in the middle on it. Okay. Um, which is this, this is not normal. This is not a normal thing. Normally, most of the time we both really enjoy it or we both really don't like it, but this is kind of like a, there's two sides of this, which I really like. This is where Prognos is going to split. I'm making my own new show, (laughs) my own new podcast now. Prog Drew. Follow me. Prog Drew. Prog Drew. (laughs) Holy crap. We're splitting. So, uh, so back to the, the, the journal entry here. In the end, I personally believe the record overall probably for me, and this is a bold statement to make, I know, don't come at me, would be better as an instrumental album. This no. sucks because no. something extremely unique about Moon Safari are the interchangeable lead singers for almost every line throughout the album and some complex vocal harmony that we don't see in progressive rock as a whole. I just don't, th- it just didn't grab me. Finally, the biggest takeaway from Blumyud, at least for me, was a lack of depth both lyrically and musically. So I first want to point out that every song on this album is in a major key. Something, like we said, not very common in progressive rock. Constant Bloom's in B-flat major. Methuselah's Children is in D major. In the Countryside, E major. Moonwalk, A major. Bluebells, G major. Ghost of Flowers, Pass, C major. Yasker's Farm, A major. Lady of the Woodlands, D major. A Tale of Three and three and Tree, G major. Another Half of the Sky is in A major. And To Sail Beyond the Sunset, sunset D major. Now, there's nothing wrong with the whole album being in a major key, but there is certainly a very consistent level of brightness and happiness in the musical intervals. So why do I have a hard time with this? Well, as I was thinking about this, part of being human is experiencing trials, conflicts, and struggles. And for me, it was hard to connect deeply to the pure happiness that this album evokes. Like we were talking about, it's it's extreme. This is on the extreme level, especially when the lyrics are not impactful for me personally. The combination of these two factors create a very elementary sound to me. Another example of an album that gives me similar feelings is Echoes from Within Dragon Island by Carfagan. I don't know if you've heard that album. No. It very much so reminds me of something like this. Albums, it almost feels uh, like video game-esque. It feels like this, like a which can make sense, actually. And this is, this is what I wrote in my, in my uh, entry here. It almost feels like this this music sounds very video game-esque, like it could be part of a soundtrack, which could make sense that I relate happy prog music to a Final Fantasy, Zelda, or Super Mario game. It kind of reminds me of my childhood. 
Okay. And that could bring upon maybe a feeling of childlike or shallow emotional value. So overall, that was kind of my, my own overall, overall general, general thought right there. Overall, to me, I thought it was too long, sometimes too shallow, and in a lot of areas, unmemorable. Although I do appreciate Oh, I do appreciate that they did what they did. This is an incredibly amb- ambitious feat of an album. And there are some wonderful moments on this record musically and my one or two vocal sections, but I personally have to sift through too much music to get to it. That's my personal taste. Oh, and then I okay. wrote and then I wrote at the very end, I said, sorry, Drew. Okay. <laughs> let, let me, okay. Now let me say this. I never claimed that this was a flawless album. That's true. That's I true. Never you never claimed, claimed that. that this was flawless. Never claimed that. No. I will totally uh, concede that the lyrics on this are fairly shallow. And yes. I am someone who really enjoys a good lyric. I remember you saying has, that, as we mentioned. And one of the things that you quoted from one of the reviews, I wrote it down because it resonated with me. Too happy to hate, too emotionally shallow to love. Yeah. That... If I could sum up my my thoughts on that, I think that would probably land it right there. I think it was, I can't, I don't hate this album. I love, but there, I love some of the things musically on it, and and I love very certain moments and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, the strong sense of familiarity within some within the album's runtime, also a double album. It's so hard to do a flawless double album. You know, I mean, the Lamb lies down on Broadway, the White Album, I the Wall, the Wall. I love all three of those records, but I would not say that they are flawless. There are no. certain moments on every no, single one of 100%. those records. That's a hard totally thing agree. to do, which is why I certainly give Moon Safari credit. I give them the complete th- credit for a sophomore album, which is hard to do. A lot of people have failures as sophomore records. Um, and I know that they came off of a pretty successful first record coming from coming from uh, in, from the beginning of their career. So I have to hand it to them. This is pretty incredible to do this to go this extreme, this long, and to do it to the quality that they did it. I got to hand it to them. I, that's that's pretty great. Um, but for me personally, this is probably a 3.5 out of 5 record. I know I don't put a whole lot of number labels on it, but I, you were mentioning in the most people were kind of sifting in that 4, sure. 4.5 area. I would say like 3.5 for me. Sure. Yep. Sure. That's my that's my safari through Moon Safari. Uh, that's I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad I heard that. Everyone, give Destin a round of applause. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Um, totally disagree that it, it is better lyricless totally disagree that it should be a, a musical uh from the album. from the I, harmonic quality or from the lyrical quality harmonic i mean the, yeah, the yeah, lyrics yeah. are kind of secondary yeah um, the and i kind of have a whole section on that um yeah the lyrics really are are fairly they're hollow they they, they kind of are and there's nothing wrong with having a positive message or whatever mm-hmm. um these just aren't really concentrated there, there, there i don't think there was a concerted effort to really posit something so, like specific yeah right? it's like happiness and flowers okay i get that and there are some phrases in there that i really like um you know i i'm trying to wrap my head around why none of the vocal hooks stuck with not none but very few um maybe it's because it is a lot of harmonies and there's a lot to latch on to like it's hard to latch onto one thing because there are so many different voices in there um yeah 
And if you don't come from a choir background, maybe that's a which is different. exactly one of the points that I was making in this is that, and this is part of the re, you know because my wife Hannah did a ton of musical theater and loves musical theater, and I have never gotten into musical theater personally. So mm-hmm. it totally made sense to me when you related it to that to make it seem it's like I I I kind of attached that. Oh, yeah. Because I enjoy that. And I was like, that makes perfect sense because that's the exact reason why I don't like it. Mm. It's exact, that's the exact reason why I don't. Yeah. So, I mean, I was like, that makes perfect sense. Now, I'll be honest. I, I don't, I don't, I don't, this does not remind me of, of Boston. I thought as going through, Boston has a lot of harmonies. Yes. Yeah. But they aren't lush like this. They're annoying. They are nasally voices. I'm sorry. There's nothing wrong with the Boston song. Some of them are fun and, and catchy, but this one just feels fuller and more, I don't know, maybe it's because they have a few more vocalists, first off, but also the actual just timbre of their voices, the quality of their voices to me is not nearly as annoying as I would Boston's. agree. I would agree with the, uh, the quality of their voices are much better. I think the overall thing that for me that I was, that I just didn't really enjoy was the, it's, it, using it as a style which then again i've always gone back to yes and why i enjoy john anderson's vocal harmonic well thing. his his thing is his thing yeah he it, has it, there's a very something about that that's different iconic voice yeah and, and, and it's not even it's not even the voice though it's also the style of the way that he puts those harmonies in there and the way that he sings the harmonies and the way that they're mixed well and some of them aren't him some of them are Steve Hackett and Chris Squire, though to be honest, they're really not that great. Yeah. It is, is. Oh, what is that section in yeah. Close to the Edge? That's that, that uh, how is it? Yeah. <laughs> that's that's hilarious. But I did write I did write down though, kind of that on the on the the vocals kind of not grabbing me. I wrote down notes at, and as I was showing you uh, before we started mm-hmm. the podcast because I was going through the form of the music. So I was going back to Pusher days back when we did that episode on Chan uh-huh. with Grow and I was looking at the form of the music, the vocal mm-hmm. form of the music and I was going, okay, what's what about this? Am I not, am I not feeling this kind of like repetitive nature that I'm just having a hard time latching to? And that's because and four, only four songs have repeating qual, repeating vocal melodies that you're re-enter. telling me you don't like this right now. What we're listening to. What are you talking about? The the melody, like a guitar melody and all that. That's just an awesome, yeah. I mean, bouncy melody, it's, man. It's it's the I can't say that I didn't enjoy, which is why you know, like like I didn't in, not. It's okay if you don't enjoy. I guess you could say, like, when I'm in the middle of it, I'm just kind of, it's not like I have this visceral reaction of hatred towards it. No, yeah. But it's a, it's just unmemorable to me. Like, I, I just don't remember it afterwards. <laughs> See, the sounds are so enjoyable yeah. to me that it's It's so funny. Like, I, I, I just don't remember it after it happens. It's just kind of like, oh, that's gone. Except for those, like, those two. But yeah, that, that was what I was writing down, is that, like, when we're having an A section, a B section, a C section, and a D section, and then the A section comes back one time, in a 15 minute long song. And like, I don't know, I guess, I guess like my, I want, I want to hear more of the, the repetitive nature, which is why I guess I really enjoyed the first five minutes of other, uh, 
Or side of the sky. Other half of the sky. Other half of the sky, yeah. Is because it had a very clear, it's like, here's the verse, and then here's a chorus melody, and then here's a, and then it's totally switches sections and goes into something different, which I'm like, I'm totally cool with that. Um, but it was just kind of like, here's a, here's a bunch of different music, and then there's like, oh, that melody works here, that melody works here, that melody works over there, that melody works here, and there wasn't a whole lot of, um, there wasn't anything unifying it. Yes. Yeah. The, uh, the word okay. I'm trying to use or trying to think of is a, uh, oh, crap, man. Um, not a hook, but it's like, like a, a motif. Like a motif. Like a, a, music, motif? a musical okay. motif, possibly. They do yeah. those with the vocals and the guitars all the time. They did it in Methuselah's Children. They did it in the countryside, Blue Bells. And they also did it in Other Half of the Sky, where the, the guitar would mimic the vocal melody. They did that a lot. They do that a lot. But in terms of the different sections returning back the, with the vocals, like this section that we're listening to right now of Glossop Hours Past, this melody line never returns. It never returns back in the entire song. And I guess I just, I, I, need, more, I need more of the repetition for me to like latch onto it, I guess. I don't know. But yeah. Huh. It's really interesting. I don't know, but that's, that's kind of... So it's somehow paradoxically... Not familiar enough, mm-hmm. and yet too familiar. Yet too familiar because because the the keys are all in the majors. Yeah, yeah. It was just so it's it, too familiar, but not familiar enough. Yep. It's really it's really interesting, but in two different no, areas. That is interesting. Two different yeah, areas. Yeah. No, absolutely. Two yeah. different areas, but, but yeah. Um, yeah, that's kind of yeah. that's. I get that. I can maybe put a bow on on that right there in terms of okay. kind of the who I was thinking about it, but I would overall recommend everyone to listen to this to find out what your musical palette is in terms yeah. of how extreme are you willing to go with this, which I found it funny because you're willing to go darker, um, a little bit darker, and I think you're also a little bit willing, more willing to go a little bit brighter than I am. I think you just have a wider <laughs> musical palette than I do. I'm an emotional guy, Justin. <laughs> I'm a very emotional person. So I just found that funny. But uh, yeah. anyway, move it. you want to move on to kind of our... Uh, uh, you, you wanted really to talk took about... the wind out of my sails. Bro. Oh shoot! You really took the air out of the tires right there. You took the air out of the tires there. Oof, took which the was that? water out of the ocean right there. What? Where? Which episode? I don't was even that? remember. Don't even remember. Well, if you've heard our our entire catalog of episodes, there's an episode where I can we just say, can we just take a moment real quick to to thank all of the people who've listened to every single one of our episodes. Yeah, thanks for the real players, the real listeners out there. That's amazing. <laughs> You guys are awesome. Thanks for for listening to us just gab on episode after episode. Yeah. I agree, 47 episodes. Uh, You know, I'm already feeling it right now that I'm going to go back and listen to this episode and be like, I said something that I don't even really completely agree with. So this is just my thoughts or moments right now in this particular time. (laughs) On this day, like, don't take this and say that I'm going to think this for the rest of ever. Um, But at this moment, these are my thoughts on... Uh, well, I, I wanted to give a little bit more info about the band themselves. Yeah. So this is just, we've already given a bunch of opinions. Let's dive into a, a couple more facts. Yeah, um, we need to offset all that garbage. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, so this is the, the, the members. Did you, did you mention them at the beginning? I did not. I did not mention okay. the, the members of the band. Um, I knew we had a lot of yeah. content and I just kind of skipped over it, to be honest with you. Yeah. So we've got, we've got Simon Ackeson. Um, as one of the lead vocalists, he also does kind of the keyboards. He does piano, moogs, mellotrons, Hammond organ, piano, 
sound effects, choir arrangements. Uh, Petter, Sandstrom, uh, and that he does also lead vocals as well, and some of the backing vocals. Twelve string acoustic guitar and occasional electric guitar, and some sound effects as well. Um, Pontus Ackerson, electric guitars, uh, mandolin, all that kind of stuff. He does a couple of uh, lead and backing vocals too. Johan Westerlund does bass and some backing and lead vocals, and then Tobias Lundgren, and he does drums, percussion, and of course vocals. They all sing at least a little bit. Um, the the real two main singers are Simon and Petter. I think uh, they're they're not only just the main singers; they're also the main composers of a lot of the music mm, on okay. this. Now, I think that a lot of the lyrics were written by Petter and um, what am I trying to say? Johan, the bassist, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I found this interesting that they, there are two brothers in this band. And in fact, after this album, a third brother. So we've got Simon Ackeson, Pontus Ackeson, and then, and forgive me if I'm pronouncing it wrong, um, their last name. And then uh, they had Sebastian Ackeson join the band as a sixth member. Um, he played keyboards as well. Um, and provided even more vocals. Um, so we just have the uh, the whole Shulman clan coming into the... And that's exactly what I was getting at. Yeah. Is that this, this, you know, does that ring a bell? Yeah, Gentle Giant. Yep. Uh, Phil, Derek, and Ray. Shulman for Gentle Giant. This reminds me very much of that. And the fact that they all play a variety of instruments. Now, I think that Phil, Derek, and Ray were a bit more... They expanded outside of just, you know, Simon mainly does keys, right? He doesn't really pick up a guitar that much. Whereas with Phil, Derek, and Ray, they kind of picked up anything and everything. But still, Simon plays a variety of keys and so does, uh, you know, Sebastian, I think. And I think Pontus uh, does a fair amount of different types of stringed instruments. You know, he plays mandolin and guitar and all that. They're not too, they're similar to each other anyways. Um, but anyways, if you look up live footage of them, you'll, you'll probably see six members. Because after this album, they they had another Ackeson sibling join the group. That's funny. Um, anyways, um, he's also credited on their subsequent albums, uh, Lover's End, which was in 2010, and Himmlebakken, Volume 1, in 2013. Which By I've heard way, is very popular. Have you heard that? What, Himmlebakken? No, A uh, Lover's End. Yes, yeah. I love Lover's End. In fact, I was actually torn between which one to do, whether to do Blumyud or Lover's End. Highly recommend you see Lover's End as well. Uh, it's, I mean, you know, again, if you don't like Blumyud, you probably won't. But if you do like Blumyud, absolutely you should check out Lover's End. I thought it was great. I, I thought it would be interesting to kind of see how they write and and some of their, their inspiration behind their their harmonizing, right? And the, mm. the, the very, I you know, apparent vocal, you know, emphasis on this record. Yes. So interviewer had asked them um how much practice did it take to obtain these strong harmony vocals and how did you record them and simon said my brothers and i have sung a lot of harmony since we were kids so for us it's a natural way of singing it wasn't hard to infect the others in the band with the joy of harmonizing however it helped that they were naturally talented singers in moon safari we often practice our vocals when we travel by car through the vast swedish countryside wow. and because we sing together for quite a number because we have sung together for a number of years now it sounds so so good um you know okay um, hold on can you pause for just a second can you just imagine okay. just this band in a mm-hmm. van driving a VW microbus yes exactly <laughs> driving through the swedish 
countrysides mm-hmm. singing in the countryside. I'm just saying, there's there's a reason it's so happy. It's you know what driving I mean? through this idyllic landscape. I mean, you know? just think about the landscape they got going on in the album cover. You know what I'm saying? And they're just driving, Absolutely. they're just driving through it, and you just see these Swedes just singing in the countryside, and the guy's sticking his guitar out the window because he can't fit it all in the car. Right. And so he's like, oh, that's that's so hippie. I love that. Yeah. He says, we all have to think more while we sing. Sometimes the new harmonies come close to something they've done in other songs, so the notes are already in the heads. Um, they make sense rather quick when they start singing, but there are still some really tricky parts that we need to practice to get a lot of it right. Um, so I also found out that the parents of the three brothers were in a vocal group in the 70s. Surprise, surprise. Oh, wow. And their father became a choir leader. So, yeah. Yeah. Singing they're... runs in the family, and it kind of makes sense why they kind of... Because these aren't the these aren't do. just normal normal harmonies. Like it's not just a you know no. land the third and fifth kind of thing. This is a right. There are a lot of jazzy kind of off-putting offset. Yes, there's a moment. Yes, there's several in, uh, moments honestly on this throughout this entire record that have some really intricate vocal harmony that's happening, which is something not very common in prog rock music to begin with. Which yeah. I applaud them for. Right. I read something that Dustin. I think you'll be interested in. Oh yeah. Um, Something that fascinated me, something reminded me that Marcus had told us when we were writing our music for Arcane Atlas. Um, Johan, the bass player, said in an interview, Simon always says that you should learn all the musical theory out there and then just forget it all. After that, you should start writing music. There's some truth in his feeling that the more you learn, the more you might get restricted. But at the same time, there is, of course, always benefits with having different blueprints at hand to which you can compare that particular idea you're working with and then get an image of what it could sound like before you start putting it into a finished song context. It just reminded me that, you know, I I was very concerned with stuff being musically correct Mm. because my musical theory is fairly limited. For as much as I I love prog and and really complicated music, I actually haven't really dug in and dissected it as much as a a lot of other people. You do have more of a a stronger rhythmic tool belt than most, though. That would be maybe maybe not in the harmonic kind of... I guess, yeah. But, I mean, you're able to pinpoint and pick out, like, polyrhythms and, you know, different time signatures and stuff like that a little bit maybe better than certain than, than others that, you know, oh. so I don't know, maybe that would be, never thought of that. yeah. Um, which is a different facet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, I mean, it is, oh. you know, especially cause you play bass too, which is also a very rhythmic instrument. So, right, right. Absolutely. I appreciate that. Look at that. You're making me blush. Um, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> um, like a King crimson red over there, but I, I, oh, man, <laughs> the crimson wasn't enough. You had to, I, I had the, the King the crimson red. red yeah. You had to get that reference. I did. Two, I did. Two color references I did. in one sentence. I did. Uh, Marcus, well, when we were recording, you know, he was he was our producer. And the, the guy is a wizard. I mean, the guy is an absolute musical wizard, knows a bunch of different. We mentioned him a lot. And, and we probably don't really explain. We, we probably don't explain enough who this guy is because we have well, mentioned him very frequently. Pretty, he, I think we've mentioned it. Yeah. If you don't know, he's the guy who produced both of our records, um, our full length records. Yeah, and, for our, uh, for our I mean, band. Great guy. Phenomenal guy. Love working with him. Um, but I remember I was like, well, it's it's not like musically correct or something. And, he, you know, he, he said sometimes what's musically correct or really kind of having that mindset, which a lot of people who are formally trained in music sometimes do. 
they just kind of have that sense of, oh, well, it's not musically correct because they have been so inundated with academia, mm-hmm. you know, that that can be restrictive in a way to your creative process. And progressive rock doesn't always conform to the rules. You know, it's not devoid of them, obviously. But that's why I kind of like Simon's quote where he says that you should still learn the theory, but just don't let it dominate the writing process. No, I, the um, way I like to put it too, is in, in terms of, I can talk about it from a rhythmic perspective or a drumming perspective, right? But the way I like to put it is it's a tool in a tool belt that you can be able to use at your creative you know, yes. your creative effort yeah, at your discretion, um, at yeah. your discretion. Yes. And so it's, it's like, Oh, I, I learned this, uh, this certain fill, or maybe I learned this, um, rudiment, right. Now, most mm-hmm. people who play the rudiments, I, I would think like, I don't know, I, I see this very often where people are, they'll play paradiddles and it's like, yeah, that just sounds like an exercise. Yes. No, a hundred percent. Like I totally I gundry, you're putting that in a song, but it doesn't sound like it was for the song. It sounds like you're playing an exercise and right. And to be able to master a tool, right? Because you have to master how to learn how to use a wrench or a crescent right. wrench, or you have to master how to use a certain tool in order to use right. it well. Just because I have the tool in the belt doesn't mean that I know how to use it, right? But being right. able to use it in certain ways creatively, that takes a lot more effort and more work and more mm-hmm. practice and not just more knowledge. I can get right. as many tools as I can, but I have to actually use them in a way to where I can actually use those and my creative discretion in music without it making seem like a gimmick or a, or an exercise or stuff like right, that. Right. So yes, I totally agree with that in, in terms of his saying and, and, and how I know we've kind of used two different metaphors there, but, uh, but I do agree. I, I, I just wanted to throw that out there, but yeah. Sure. Um, one last quote I had that I, I thought was really interesting was from Johan. He's the bassist. Um, and he writes a couple of the, the lyrics as well. The more you get to know about progressive rock as a genre, the more you see that in the end, it's not the Mellotron or the Gabriel-esque voices that seem so popular still that makes the music progressive, but the inventiveness and the spirit that comes from truly passionate musicians that like to jump into the deep end of the music pool. That's also why the fans of progressive rock are the most picky and most appreciative music lovers out there. They expect you to really pour your hearts out in every way. And if you do, the reward is equally great. That's fantastic. I think that's a great quote. That's fan- that reminds me of the same spirit that when we interviewed Wobbler, that reminds me of them really mm-hmm. so much when we were talking to them about their approach of music and how they write yeah. and what they do um, and how much they enjoy what they do. Yeah. That totally reminds me that that spirit totally yeah. reminds me of them. And I think that this, this podcast is kind of a testament to that, that it's really that spirit more so than anything else of this, this people who really want to jump into the deep end and swim around in different waters because, and I'm not just trying to like prop up the show here. I'm just saying that we have done so many different kinds of bands that I never thought we would do when we started this podcast. Oh yeah. This is episode 47. Yeah. I (laughs) never thought we we were going to do 47 episodes. Some of the early pioneers and we will absolutely continue to do that uh, because we love them and they're, they're seminal to the entire genre as a whole. But I mean, just some of the groups that we've had on here that are 100% progressive rock, but are just so so different in a lot of ways from those early pioneers. It's just fascinating to me. And the way that this genre has morphed throughout the decades, it's, it's really kind of astounding. Yeah. And how people are returning to different decades and combining them with the new and with different technology and, um, yes. Yeah. Trying to emulate certain sounds and, uh, embracing the old or also completely embracing the new, um, right. 
and uh, and and then just completely running with it. Yeah, that's a great. Yeah, it's a great quote. Um, I think I think the writing process is is interesting to me, and I think it is cool that you're working with so many different harmonies and they, they can all sing pretty effortlessly together. I mean, like you said, there, there's some times where you have to kind of work at it some more, but um, that's really kind of nice to think that the the act of singing together, I think, is is something there, there's something very grounded in that, and that's very human in that. Um, and it's rare that you get a band where everyone sings and the fact that they can do that all together and enjoy it. Um, I think also seeps into the happiness of this record. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's rare for that to happen, but I think there is kind of an ineffable joy about joining your voices with someone else's. Yeah. Well, it's a human, it's a human connection. It is. And, and, and it's rare that, again, that you have a band where everyone can sing very well. Again, I think back to the Beatles or the Beach Boys or something, but in yeah. the prog realm, usually you've got your front man and maybe one or two background vocalists. But even right. then, just the fact that Simon said they, they sing together anyways, I'm sure they sing a lot of different songs together anyways, right? Um, so that's just really cool. Um, yeah, that's I great. I wanted to, to kind of talk about the lyrics a little bit. Um, yeah, we can talk a little bit about it. There's not there's not much to say here. So why would I want to talk about it? Yeah, we won't take too I, much I, time on this. I know we're running a little bit over, but you know, I think okay, it's fine. It's a double album. Yeah, it's a double album. Um it's a double album. Give cut me some slack. Um <laughs> if you don't like it, turn off the podcast. Um oh, shoot. <laughs> our numbers just dropped right there. Just dropped right there. The flowers are a recurring theme. You know, most of them, like I said, were written by by Petter, kind of the front man, um, and Johan, the bassist. Um, it, it, there's not much depth here. And I think I had said that earlier. Again, this is kind of the, the criticism I do have of the record. Um, Which is something that know, we I, both agree on with this album is absolutely. Our, our lyrical honestly, quality. Not I, quality, I, but I pref- yeah, depth. Well, no, yeah, yeah, depth. I prefer stuff that has a bit more depth, a bit more coherence to the stanzas. Yeah. You know, something that connects them. Um, I mean, okay, l- let me just for fun kind of read some of these lyrics here. Just to kind of... Just a couple of these. Is and it, they're not necessarily bad in and of themselves, but they are overly flowery. Like you hear this and you're like, that's nice, but woof. That's that's super happy. Yeah. Um, This is in Bluebells. Where do flowers go when all is said and done? They hope and pray to find a second sun with golden shores and amber painted skies where poets run and bluebells call home. This is the ghost of flowers past. Bluebells are, is that a, is that a type of flower? It's a type of flower. That's yeah. what I figured. The ghost of flowers past. Here we go. Here's a lyric from there. Back to the first day of summer, the flowers that passed greet the sunlight again with a song sung by angels of love. Ooh. And then other half of the sky says every day I'm loving you in every way. I'm loving you how it grows, the way it shines. It's keeping me alive. As infinity forms a line into that love that I define. Mm. In fact, some of those are actually fairly clever rhymes, but it is a lot of that. Um, I like the bits and pieces here and there. I don't necessarily inherently dislike those lyrics, but it is a lot of them. Yeah. I will say, <laughs> I really enjoyed, here's 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 a song that that is not, as overly fluffy on this record it's the it's a shorter song it's called a tale of three and tree play that for me all right here you go here you go this has a pretty clear narrative this one is like okay this is almost like a nursery rhyme or like an old fairy tale Mm. uh that you would read when you're younger 
And then you get older and you look back on some of these, these fairy tales in general and folklore. And you're like, wow, that's really messed up. Like oh, my parents true. read this to me before bedtime. Yeah. As I'm about to go to sleep. Yeah. Or like the. And I want to, yeah. I want to just pause and take a moment for fun. Did you ever read Hansel and Gretel? I didn't, but the first thing that was actually coming to my mind right now is the is the London Bridge. Uh, the London Bridge is falling Bridge down, is fall- falling down. Da- that's fall dark. Down. Yeah, it is. Ashes to ashes, ashes and we, we all, all fall down. down. That is dark. That's dark. Yeah, it is dark. That's what. <laughs> yeah, and it's just something that you know. I think that's always been the way. This uh, is the humanity way humanity has told stories, but, yeah, but but you just don't think about it. Until you get older and you're like, wow, should children really be listening to this? Right. Or whatever. And they do. Um, all right. Quick, very quick recap. I never read Hansel and, and Gretel, no. Gretel either. I, I heard of them and I knew about a witch and candy. And that was like it. Mm. All right. So this is a brief synopsis okay. of this. Uh, or summary. Hansel and Gretel have this, this dad. Their mother dies very early. The dad marries this horrible stepmother who practically starves her children and makes them do like hard labor all day, every day. And then she forces her husband to abandon his children because there's like a famine and she claims that they can't take care of them. What? And they're not doing a good job to begin with, right? Okay. So but how old the are children these children? Are like, they're t- kids. When I say kids, like they've got to be somewhere between like eight and 12. Oh my. Like they're before, they're like, yeah. The oldest I would peg them is like, 12 and that's the max i'm pretty sure they're close to closer to like like 10 yeah all right so the children are like this place sucks and he's going to have us be abandoned anyways so we're gonna we're gonna go out and so they go into the woods they're trying to find a place to live because they're just like life is hell at home so we're just gonna go out and run away so then they find this witch in the woods that lures them in with candy and other delicious sweet treats and her house is made of candy. All right. She locks okay, Hansel so, in a cage. So, so and, manipulation oh, right off the bat. Just Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. She lures them in. Yeah. hundred percent. She locks Hansel in a cage and fattens him up in order to eat him. And then she makes Gretel her slave basically. Then as she's preparing the oven, Gretel tricks her and shoves the 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 witch into the oven and burns the witch alive in the and oven. And then the kids are free in the oven. And then the kids are free and cuz the the witch is dying and she's locked in this furnace in this oven. And the kids are free and they find this treasure from the witch somewhere in the house. And then they go back home. Go back home, and they find out that their terrible stepmother is dead for some unknown reason. Oh my god! And then their spineless father is happy to see them, and with the treasure they got from the witch, they all live happily ever after. Wow, it's a dark. It's a dark story. All right. So, anyways, I mention all. Why am I mentioning this? Because it's it has a very similar cadence to a tale of three and tree on this record. Um. The story of A Tale of Three and Tree is that these three brothers go into the woods and venture off their usual path. And then the trees start speaking to them and they're like, yeah, there's no turning back. You're stuck here forever. But if you really want to leave, hmm, then you have to go deeper into this already really super creepy forest and find this golden key. And the brothers are like, okay, but we're trusting that this is like a a legit deal. You say we're going to do this, right? 
we got to get back home. We got to get some sleep. We got to see our mom. I can't. And then the trees say, and I quote, sure thing, said the sneaky trees, laughing amongst themselves. Didn't their mother ever say you cannot trust a tree? Which what? apparently kids out there, t- take note, kids out there, don't trust trees. Don't trust you trees. You cannot trust trees. They will not give you oxygen. At least one's in a golden forest. <laughs> so long to your flesh and bone. The key is out on loan. Home, home, make yourselves at home in this golden dome. And the last lyric is, still we are trees, the sandman grieves, the stream will never leave. So these brothers turn into trees and they never go back home. All because they got tricked by some other trees for no reason. And the lesson? Don't wander in golden forests, no matter how pretty they are, unless you want to be a tree. If you want to be a tree, roam around in all the forests that you want. But if you don't, do not go into a nice, alluring golden forest. Which is sad, because I like forests. It's Shoot! And I like cats. And I like cats. Okay, so it's just a, it's just about temptation? Maybe? I guess. Or Like how it's supposed to pertain to everyday life? I don't, I don't know. know. How do fairy tales pertain to, to our lives that's, anyways? Yeah, that's, that's, They're an escape. They're not supposed is, to. They're an escape. That is something right there. It's pretty dark. Uh, but I thought that was hilarious because all the rest of the lyrics I was looking through this record and I was like, okay, I'm not really getting any narrative or really coherent theme or idea through all these other than flowers and that stuff is pretty. But... Uh, you know, this was just so funny to me because I was reading the lyrics and I was like, whoa, this is like a fairy tale. And the music kind of reflects that too. Anyways, I thought that was a fun story time with Drew. I love that. That's a great story, even though it was super. I'll... Why is that on the album? Like that just doesn't. I don't. It still has to do with nature. Yeah, but I guess it just. But yeah, it is kind of very like, strange, different from the rest of them. Huh. Like, I loved that, and I thought it was worth mentioning. Also, fun fact about the artwork: Did you know that Peter, the the front man, he did the artwork. He did. It does certainly yeah. look like somebody drew it. Okay, so on Holy that crap. So on that, yeah, we're talking about how you. I don't know. Your tone seems to indicate that you think it's a little, a little crude. Yeah. Well, let me let me first introduce it. I guess we'll just do a little little. Uh, this is a section of illustrations and impressions. My my initial opinion look of this is that uh, I mean is this is this colored pencils is is that what this yeah, is it seems like I don't know it seems I, this, it that's seems not like, my medium I, I don't but, know it seems like it with with it a digital print of Moon Safari sure. and Blumyud over it that they did in post um, okay yeah and uh, you know. <sighs> The biggest thing that's off-putting to me about this is is the the overt yellow. Um, it, it's just okay. too it's too yellow. Now, I, as as you were, uh, you know, I'm, I'm taking a look at this, and and one of the things that I was trying to okay, what can I get out of this album cover that would be towards uh, or give some sort of context to this? And honestly, the biggest thing that I'm seeing right now that 
I'm trying to do research in this moment right now to see if I can find it, is I'm wondering if this guy, that is, if, is this some sort of Swedish culture? That, that hat and the belt, that crescent moon belt thing? No. I think it's somewhere from the Middle East. Middle East. I don't know where. Okay. I don't know where. Um, or I don't know. The, 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 the instrument on his back, the neck of that thing. Yes. Um, I don't know exactly what it is, but I was looking up instruments, and it, it might be something at least akin to uh, a sarangi. It's an Indian stringed instrument. Um, but I, I don't know, right? Because I'm just ensconced in western music and a lot of western instrumentation right but i i think it's it's eastern in nature Interesting. i know that's very broad there's a lot that can fit into that yeah but, um i i think it's it's somewhere from the middle east i was initially thinking that it was like a uh like a horasaki um what the garment or the the hat the hat oh, the specifically hat. Okay. yeah I, I was thinking it was that and I'm looking up like different photos of them to see because I, you know, it's a drawing, right? I'm like, but I don't, I don't know. And and yeah, with that instrument, but also the the flask that he has with the flower in it, and you can clearly right. see that he's walking from the city, but everywhere he steps, it is now flourishing with right. I think the concept's pretty interesting. It looks like a wanderer, perhaps a bard of some sort. I don't know, um, you know traveling away from a city, you know, we see the high rises and the skyscrapers in the background yep. and they're all gray yep. through a desert, right? He's yep. traveling through a desert and everywhere he goes, like you say, he's spreading life and joy. It's like grass around him. Yep. And you know, every now and then you'll see a butterfly or something. We see a trail of, of all of that behind him. Uh, in the foreground, he's carrying a vial of grass. I'm not sure what's in his other hand. Maybe it's a walking stick, I, but that's what my guess was. Mirroring the joyous sound of the album, this lone wanderer is going away from the cold mechanical city and traveling through nature. Right, this whole album is a celebration of flowers, right, and 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 nature and vegetation, and and making areas full of life and color and flowers that were once empty and desolate with sand. So I actually like that. I think it reflects kind of the you know a lot of the themes, or yeah, really the only theme presented throughout this. It seems to be a celebration of life. Yeah, exactly. Um, but on in the concept, or not in the concept, but in the landscape of a desert, which seems to me that the, is is that somehow portraying that they are trying to do that exact thing, yeah, bring happiness so. and bring joy and bring life into a, a deserted land. Um, yes. Which that's kind of what I get. Yep, that's that's exactly right. what I was thinking as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's I don't think there's much of anything else to, besides that vial, which I don't understand. But I don't think it has yeah, anything I to why do. It's in a vial. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if it has anything to do with. Why not just like carry a flower in your hand? Exactly. Like, why does it need to be in a vial? Because the vial itself kind of looks almost futuristic, yep. which is interesting. Yep. Um, I don't understand. Anyways, but anyways, yeah. The back of the album is interesting too. I don't know if you've seen the back of the album. It's it I have not. just the hand of what appears to be the Statue of Liberty because it has like the torch and it's green. Oh, interesting. You know? Uh, sticking out of a sea of sand, so like everything else is sand, and you just see kind of the tip of the the hand kind of sticking out uh -huh. as if that's been buried, as if the the you know the Statue of Liberty has been buried by sand. Oh wow! Um, I'm, my best guess is maybe it's supposed to imply that this is a time when like maybe some dystopia in the future, or maybe it's right now to imply that this is a time when justice and fairness and peace have all fallen away, and all these great ideals that humanity embraces have been drowned in a sea of sand, and all that's left is desolate and barren. That's why the traveler is so important, bringing hope, 
vegetation mm-hmm. and color back with his music. So, anyways, yeah, with his was... music, that's good because he has a little instrument on the back on He's his back. The yep. instrument on the yep. back, and to the quality of it, I thought it was interesting. I think it's interesting when like. Uh, a member of the band does something like this. Like they actually try to draw. I, I think that's yeah. really fun. The, I've, the, I think I've just seen it better. Like, like Brandon Boyd, oh, totally. Brandon Boyd from Incubus. He draws, he does, he paints their album covers and stuff like that. Sure. And I, those sure. are, they're fantastic. I, I, I believe. Um, and there's some others as well, but I, I agree. Uh, but I will say, and maybe I'm, I'm advocating too much uh-huh. for them, but one might describe this as like crude or sloppy or unrefined. Mm. I mean, you know, just honestly. But I think that the fact that it's not super polished gives it a sense of innocence, which plays right into that light and optimistic feeling that they're trying to promote with the record. You know, it may not be picturesque, but it is authentic. And I like that aspect of it. Um, they, they could have easily gone with a bunch of, of flowers in a field and that's nice but i think the drawing is a bit more interesting because it feels more genuine like a child's imagination and maybe that's kind of a backhanded compliment because it's like are oh, you calling it childish but yeah that would that would have been my angle is is it kind of leans into that what i was referring to in my safari through moon safari is that elementary kind of uh feeling from it yeah. um so yeah i can definitely see the how it could yeah <laughs> It could be a backhanded compliment, I guess. I don't, I don't know. But that would, that would yeah. at least. I know that's when you mentioned that. I was like, yeah, that kind of reminds me of just sort of the elementary quality, right? But I like it. it gives it, it gives it a sense of innocence, and I think that this record is supposed to be innocent and and you know lighthearted and joyous, and I think it is. So yeah, no, that's great. Anyways, any last thoughts? No, no. I, I mean, I love it. You think it's meh. But that's okay. Yeah. Well, anyway, we would like to thank everybody so much for listening to our podcast. These are our prog notes for Blumyud. Uh, hey, if you enjoyed the episode, maybe you learned something new from the episode, please subscribe. Follow us with the link in the description. You can There you can find our Discord community, our social media pages, and our Patreon if you'd like to financially support us and what we're doing. Also, don't forget to follow the new Spotlight feed there too. Rogan will be back with another interview very soon. And uh, just another reminder, he is on a different feed now, so please go and go to the link in the description, tap on Follow Spotlight, and it'll take you right to all of the amazing interviews that he's been doing with the old and new prog rock bands just about their music and hear from the band themselves uh, rather than listen to our opinions. But before we close, uh, Drew, what is the next record that we're checking out for episode 48? Next one, we're going way back. We're going to the Yes album. That'll be fun. 1971. So excited for that. My favorite Yes album. I, that's really interesting to me. We'll talk more about We'll that talk more about that next, next episode. So join us next time as we discover the past, present, and future of progressive rock. We will see you guys on Discord. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks.